0: get that India, big boy. Mike Acevo, call an ambulance, maybe
1: call a priest. Oh, what a shot, what a shot, Campbell Killer.
2: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome to a live edition of the Tip Sheet, live from Jack's Bar and Grill. I'm your host John, also known as 4020 on TCT. Joining me as always is my good mate Craig, also known as 60s. And uh, to break down a, a fantastic win of the St. George Illawarra Law Dragons, we've got a legend of the club himself, Neville Glover. Ladies and gentlemen, give a round of applause to Neville. And, and how about our Parramatta Reels, who enjoyed the game today? Yeah. 48-14, beautiful win. Great follow-up to that success down in Melbourne. So let's uh, jump right into it, Neville. I'll get you on the microphone now. We'll start talking about that win. Eels up by 48-14, but it was a close affair at halftime.
1: That's it was correct,
2: yep. 12-8. What, what did you see from the Eels in the second half to take that game all the way to that big margin? Well, it's,
1: to me at least, it looked as though the Eels were running harder and running wider than not just in the middle there, 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 there they used to get there and pass it out out on the back line and running and running very, very fast Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point because in the first half it felt like those movements to the edges were just a little bit slow stuck in second gear but in the second half they found the combinations they found that speed and it was too much for St George Exactly right Now
0: the first half, personally, I thought we left a few points out on the field in that first half. We were uh, playing quite an open brand of football but just couldn't quite ice some of the scoring opportunities. What was your thoughts on that, Neville? Would you, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, they seemed to be a, a little bit tired. And where I say tired, I'm not talking about unfit or anything like that. They just didn't seem to be... In th- you know wanted, I want to get there and I want to crack, crack you, I want to kill you. right It was just, uh, I'm going to get there and I've got to tackle
0: this bloke. I've got to tackle this bloke. That's what it looked like to me. So you, you basically thought the intensity from from us dropped off a little bit through the back end of the first half. I agree with that.
2: Yes. Last two weeks, including tonight. We've seen Dylan Brown really coming on as a playmaker at number six. Yep. He set up a couple of tries against Melbourne, scored the opening try tonight and also set up another for Wanga Blake. How are you seeing Dylan as a 21-year-old coming on in one of the most difficult positions in the NRL? And it is one of the worst positions as well. A very, very hard position. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he's doing very well. Um, let's just hope that he
2: continues on. Well, Brad Arthur challenged him during the week to say, you know, you're doing good, but it's not enough. You've got to keep finding that next level and keep you know, your game consistent from week to week. Well, the bottom
1: line is if he said
2: that, then he has to do it because
1: if
0: he doesn't do it, he won't be there. <laughs> it must gladden your heart when you see backline players taking on the opposition, stepping through defenders and getting out into the clear because that was certainly your hallmark with uh, the goose step and, and getting past your opponent.
1: Yes, well, the goose step. Uh, I haven't seen anyone actually do it the right
0: way. Um, it's a lost art, Neville. The goose step is a lost art. Ne-
1: Neville's thrown
2: down the glove now.
1: Well, let me say this to you, OK? I don't want to get there and say too much because then they'll be doing it all, right? <laughs> so I know exactly how to do it and that's why I used to do it all the time. I can remember playing at Cumberland Oval and... Um, you, I'll get there and talk about that later on. But um, and uh, I had the winger right in front of me. I had the centre there, and I had the fullback over here. So next thing you know, I'm running, and I slowed down. And as soon as I slowed down, the winger attacked me. Right? I changed the arm and palmed him off. Then the other bloke came towards me, so I got there and I I just stopped, virtually, and I palmed him off, said see you later. And then the the fullback came across, right, and he was running 100 miles per hour. And I turned around and started running straight at him. And as soon as I ran straight at him, he slowed down, and that's when I killed him. Because (laughs) once he slows down, that's the end of him, I just palm off, do the goose step and say see you later.
0: Yeah, you, you control the pace at which they come across at when you do that, when you, when you turn in and go towards them.
1: Exactly right, yeah.
0: So so don't, much. Tell it, don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hoping we'd get 40 up and you could show him. Oh, no. He, he could demonstrate the goose We don't, step. We don't
2: need another busted knee this week, boys. <laughs> I've got two sterile eggs, legs, so I can't,
0: <laughs>
1: sorry.
2: <laughs> so much of the modern game is rigid structures. You've got halves playing on each side. Going towards what the game plan is yes. But one player that seems to be a little bit heads up And play what's in front of him is Mitchell Moses We yes. saw that today in the 16th minute He saw there was no fullback from the line break Kicked ahead for himself He feels like a player that might have gone alright In your era in the 80s as well Where it was a little bit more play what's in front of you And less you know, yep. rigid structure
1: Yep, well let me say to you He had a great game today um, I've met him a number of times um, We've had a bit of a talk and stuff like that Really nice bloke actually yep. Um, and in actual fact, I asked him whether or not he could do a bit of a charity for me and he'd actually done it and Excellent. done it really well.
2: Excellent to hear. Always yeah. always good to see the boys putting in for good causes.
1: Yeah, and that was only for a young girl.
0: Actually, who, just, just to that point, who did you who did, would you have given the man of the match to? Would it be fair to say you would have given it to Mitch Moses or did you have someone else in mind?
1: Well, it was hard for me to say who, right, because... I was going out around the place doing speaks and stuff like that. So I actually didn't see it all. Seen most of it, but not all. Well, um, but the halfback, he was pretty good. Yeah. But
2: it's, it's hard to get there and say because I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, let's, let's look at the game quickly. Obviously, Eels 48, Dragons 14. Dylan Brown opened the score in the six-minute lovely left foot step, breaking the line, followed by Mitchell Moses. Mitch ended up getting a double... Nathan Brown, Reed Marnie, Quinton Gufferson and Wonga Blake also grabbing a double Mitch, Falls from the kicking tee, 8 from 8 for the Dragons, it was a Jack Bird and Tariq Sims try, Lomax converting both those tries there but the stats say the Eels dominated this one 55% to 45% time of possession, a good 3.5 minutes in Parramatta's favour, all the key attacking indicators, line breaks, offloads tackle busts, they're all favouring the Eels this was a great consolidation on what they showed against Melbourne last week
1: yeah well, the bottom line is that the thing last week, Storm. Storm's been one of the best teams yeah, over a number of definitely. years. Um, they've lost a few, um, but they'll, they'll have a few more behind. So hopefully, if Parramatta continue to get there and play like they played against the Storm, we're looking good.
0: Now, just before we uh, talk to you about a, a, a few stories... I have a couple of questions that I want to ask you about players and the way the game's played. First of all, Wonga Blake, he sort of followed the path that you followed where he's transitioned from centre to wing. What do you, what do you like about what you're seeing so far and do you think he's going to make um, a regular winger or would you like to see him back in the centres?
1: So far, I, I'd say that wing is his place. Um, as long as he doesn't continue to get there and run in all the time. I don't know how many... It's just not Parramatta wingers. It's all over the place, right? The ball's coming along and straight away they just run straight in. Jam in. Right? Which means they just throw the ball to the, their winger and they're straight down. Don't do that. One meter outside. Each player in the in that area, right? Because if you get there and you have the one meter, he's not going to be able to run around. Of course, you're going to come over the top of him. So
0: that's what should happen. You're you're not a fan, obviously, of of the compacted defensive line. Not at all. So in your when you were playing, if you drifted in field in defence and left your wing open. I'm assuming there would have been consequences at training through the week. Just a little. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you would have been shaking hands with the reserve grade coach? Um, that's
1: probably right. Either that or Terry or whichever coach it was. Uh, Norm Proven, um, Gibbo. Um, who else was there? There was the 5'8". Anyway, uh, the situation is is that they're all the same kind of yep. sorta.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now we had a lot of eels players who made their debut last year. Um, we had obviously we had um, uh, Jake Arthur. We had Will Pennicini. We had Sean Russell. Mm-hmm. Uh, And we also had Samuel Luizio. Last game of the season, yep. Yep, so they're all young Eels juniors, all made their debut last year. But when these debuts have been made, there's been quite a lot of fanfare about it. You know, there's a big jersey presentation, there's maybe a bit of media around it, a lot of focus on it. I gather it was a bit different back when you made your first grade debut.
1: So I'll tell the story. Yeah. Okay, so 1975, I tried out for Parramatta. I was a St George fan.
0: Hang on, hang on. (laughs) Neville Glover was a St George fan. Well, I was because everyone was St George back in those days. Okay, fair
1: enough, fair enough. enough. All right. (laughs) So what happened was um, I turned up for training on Tuesday night. Under 23, so I'd played about six games. And um, the strapper got there and said to me, Neville, you're not supposed to be here. And I said, What are you talking about? He said, Well, you're not supposed to be here. The bottom line is, is that um, I said to him, in actual fact, Well, the under 23s train tonight. And he says, No, but you're not supposed to be here. And I said, What have I been cut? Because I was <laughs> still cutting them, right? And I said, what, have I been cut? He said, no, you haven't been cut. He said, in actual fact, you're playing first grade tomorrow night.
0: <laughs> so you, you found out the day before, like the night before, that you are playing first grade.
1: Exactly right. And I played on the wing. And what happened was he, they got there and they t- said to me, Jim Porter is going to pick you up at the back of Parramatta Leagues and take you to Balmain. Of course, it was a Wednesday night game. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing about it is, is in actual fact, uh, we won that game. Um, and they put me into the centres the following day, two days, three, three days away. So they put me in the centres, and I played centre all the rest of the year. And I got best and fair not best and fairest but most improved rookie of the year well they didn't have rookies of the year last years that those are the times but what it was is the the best we i went forward the best
0: well question did you sleep at all the night before when <laughs> you you know you you only told the night before i mean does that mean that it doesn't have time to settle, uh, sink in, you, you don't get too many nerves if you're given that sort of last minute or, or well, did you have a bit of trouble sleeping that night?
1: Well, I, I tried to get there and get on a plane but uh, I couldn't <laughs> do that. But um, No, I didn't do that. In actual fact, I thought to myself, well, someone must see something. Mm-hmm. So I'll just do what, exactly what I do. Yeah, yep. And as it worked out, I ended up playing first grade for the rest of the year, then first grade the following year and the
2: following year. and yeah. So going from being worried about getting cut from the, the juniors to forging a hell of a career, it's not a, bad, not a bad way to start and finish, mate.
1: Well, what happened was is that um, we were undefeated. Um, Toon Gabby was undefeated. And I said to Graham Atkins, I said, um, let's go down and try out for Pramata. And he says, I'm not good enough. And I said, you're good enough. It's okay. Let's go down and try. So next thing you know, both of us make it. He who dares wins. Yeah. And as it works out, brains, I call him brains, Mm -hmm. he went up to first grade eventually, not on that year, but the following year and the following year before that. We're definitely really good friends. So, yeah, but it was interesting.
0: (laughs) So um, just looking now at at, you mentioned about the Dragons being your team when you were younger. Yes. We played the Dragons today. Yes. And I gather that if you were a Dragons fan back when you were younger, that would have meant that Reg Gaznia would have been one of your favourite players. Still is. Don't tell me you've still got a soft spot for the Dragons, however.
1: For Reg, I have.
2: Fair enough.
0: Fair enough. For Reg, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay, so you've got to have a Reg Gaznia story. If you're such a, a right. Reg Gaznia fan, you have to have a Reg Gaznia story.
1: All right, so what happened was this. What happened was, this in 1970, 75, 76. Um, Reg Gaznia was up on the radio... And um, Neil Cadigan, who used to get there and be the person that used to do the rugby league um, thing, um, said, is, man, can you get there and get some signatures from him? So I was playing, we were playing St George that day. So I went up and I knocked on the door and I said, oh, Mr. Gasnier Neville Glover's my name. He says, I know who you are. He said, what can I do for you? I said, is there any chance of signing these? And he yeah. says, yes, no worries. And I said, and while you're signing that, I said, do you remember um, going to a training session in St George in 1967 for New South Wales under 12s? You're,
0: you're plucking an air, a date right out of the air, aren't you?
1: No, 1967. Yep. Yep. Under 12s, New South Wales. New South Wales had an under-12s. And yep. I made the under-12s. Still can't believe that, but that's what I did. Um, and he said Did you yes, have the
0: goose step back then?
1: No, <laughs> I didn't, but I could run very fast. Um, anyway, so he got there and he said, yes, I remember that. And he said, I remember the New South Wales ones. And I said, oh, OK, then, no worries. So we're having a bit of a talk. And he says, you reckon, how do you reckon you're going to go today? And I says, oh, we're going to win, no risk. He says, oh, I don't think so. I said, oh, well, it is what it is. Anyway, I said, i better go. Um, and it was my birthday that day as well. So I'm going out the, the, the door and he says, can you get there and sign this program for me, this thing here? And I said, yeah. And I said, who to? And it says, to Nick. So I said, to Nick. Uh, Eels to win, Neville Glover. And I said, what are you asking me? I said, you're, you are Reg Gasnia. I'm Neville Glover. Like, who knows Neville Glover? And he says, Nev, he says, I've got this young kid that plays rugby league in the backyard, right? And when he gets the ball, he throws in a goose step and yells out, Neville Glover! And I'm going, get out, you pull him a leg. He said, "Nope, 100%, that's exactly what he said and exactly that's what he said. Anyway
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a wonderful So I
1: I scored the winning try and I'm walking back halfway line and the people at this end on the hill, they were singing happy birthday to me. Um, Anyway so I just stopped turned around and just looked straight up at Reg Gaznia and I could see him and I went like this (laughs) <laughs> like that just turned around and went away so
0: you might have started a trend because we do see players doing that nowadays
2: uh, waving goodbye I hope not <laughs> uh, now we've, uh, we've had some cracking stories about a certain uh, Eels legend uh, Steve Ellis shared them with us last time about the guru I think you've got something to add about the legend too mate yeah i got
1: one about i got one about guru <laughs>
0: Everyone has a story about Eric Grove, it seems.
1: Well, let me say to you that um, I, go to, I, I, I try to get there and go to um, his band when he starts playing his band because it's very, very good. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this is what happened. So one night at training, Terry Fernley said to me, can you speak to Eric about him standing in the wrong place for the last tackle? I went over.
0: Said, Hang on, he wasn't coming off his wing, was he?
1: Um, he was kind of coming off his <laughs> wing. All right. So I went over and said to him, Guru, Terry has sent me over to tell you where to stand on the last tackle. He said straight away, saying, give me the ball and let me run. And I said to him, who told you that? He said, you did. And I said, oh. I said, oh, okay then. I walked back to Terry. He said, how's it going, Nev? I said, it's all sweet.
0: (laughs) And that was it. (laughs) Now, um, you surely don't have just one Eric Gross story. There must be another one in there.
1: (laughs) All right. So this is about three years ago or four years ago. We are over here. And uh, this bloke comes, I was with Eric, and some bloke come up to him and he says, what's your name? I said, I'm Eric. He says, all right then, you're the greatest player I've ever seen. Sensational. Anyway, he walked across to Eric, and he says, and who are you? He says, I'm Neville Glover. And he's gone, well, you're that bloke that dropped the ball in the seventy-sixth grand final. And the, anyway, the bloke walked away and I said, see what I've got to put up to you with? All the time I've got to put up with it. They don't worry about that I played for Australia and they don't, know, they don't worry about playing for New South Wales and they don't worry about who scored the tries to get you into the grand final. It's always that one and was question. And was it a good pass? <laughs> but let me say this to you. I was a first-grade player, so I should have caught it. End End of sex. Thank you very much, appreciate that
0: <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen It's been a treat talking to Neville Glover How about a round of applause For the great Eels legend Neville Glover And if you want to head over and have a bit of a, uh, a Chat with Neville or have a photo taken, and anything signed Neville's happy to come over and, uh, and have a chat with you
2: All right, a good bit's done, so we understand if you want to move on, but 60s and I will dive into the two games that were played out at Combank today, obviously the NRL and the New South Wales Cup. We ran by the try-scorers first, mate. Obviously a couple of doubles there for Mitch Moses, Wonga Blake, and then Dylan Brown, Reed Marnie, Nathan Brown, and Quinton Gufferson also scoring. Uh, it was a game of ebbs and flows, though. We started hot, let the Dragons come back into it in that second quarter, and then the second half was all Parramatta. What did you make of that, you know, sort of uh, title play of footy?
0: I think the way the first half was heading, I had concerns that we were heading for another uh, Titans first half uh, effort. It was, we started off on fire and it was like all of the energy was suddenly expended and some errors started creeping in. We weren't quite icing the scoring opportunities. And to be honest, I had the feeling that if the first half went another five or ten minutes longer that the Dragons might just have pulled up level with us if not edged ahead of us with a bit
2: more time in the first half. So obviously the halftime talk from BA paid dividends. What do you think would have been the, the key indicators there for him? Tighten it up? Be, be faster when you play expensive? What, where was it there to be won for the Parramatta Eels today?
0: Look, I think we went from winning the middle in the early part of the game and earning a shift to, I think, not finishing each set. So I think the main message would have been have a good end to each set of six because there were far too many wasted opportunities. And we did see our captain guilty of that a couple of times. Yeah. Overplaying his hand a bit, a bit heavy on the kicks. Um, You know, maybe not playing what was in front of him enough. it just wasn't quite where we should be in that first half, but in retrospect, when you look at the game as a whole, that's really, I suppose, nitpicking. If we, you know, we maybe we were expecting perfection in that first half, but I really thought that St George opened up quite a bit once we once we weathered that that usual fast, frenetic. Open, and, and physical opening that St George liked to play that they were there for the taking after that and, right. and it looked like we were going to do it but then we sort of lost our way a bit and as I said I think for me half time couldn't come soon enough
2: Rounds 1, 2 and 3 were torrid close hard fought affairs uh, barely a points difference at the end result this, uh, this week we got a bit of garbage time it was obviously up by not just double digits but big time double digits which meant bench interchange options sort of opened up got our first look at Wirimu Greg and Bryce Cartwright today I think Bryce Cartwright might have put his hand up for try assist of the year in that 15 minutes that he got what does
0: everyone think of that try assist from Bryce Cartwright today I mean that was it it, it was it was a freak play I mean I don't know whether he thought he was part of the Harlem Globe Trotters but <laughs> That, that leap into the air, the change of hands, the flick out the back, it was something special. Uh, it it probably made his 15 minutes on the field maybe a bit more memorable than what he might have been expecting and <laughs> maybe what the, the fans were expecting. But it, it certainly brought the crowd to their feet. And in a game like today, where you can provide that sort of highlight, it, it, it was a tremendous way to, I suppose ice the game at that stage.
2: You reckon he's going to be layering it up at training this uh, week? I've got a that feeling one?
0: he'll be layering it up <laughs> quite a bit.
2: Uh, some big numbers in the outside backs today, mate. Quinton Gufferson, 192 metres. Wanga breaking the 200 metre barrier. Dylan Brown, 162. Uh, and across the forwards you had uh, Reg, Ice, Brownie, Makatoa and Madison all going over triple digits. Probably indicative of what we saw once the Eels figured themselves out.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on Dylan Brown... Because today I thought there was almost an arrogance about how he was playing. His confidence was sky high. We saw him uh, pass to himself, dummy to himself, um, drifting across field, taking on the defence, throwing Harbour Bridge passes for tries, uh, line breaks. It was try assists. Everything that Dylan Brown had copped criticism for last season... It's as if in the first four rounds this year... Checking it off. He's, he's checked it off. He's erasing that as a criticism for this year. He's probably already exceeded his try assists for yep. last season within the first four weeks this year.
2: Yeah, Dylan's always been... I mean, we, we saw him come up through the juniors from Har- uh, Harold Matthews' days back when it was under-16s, played in that 2017 Holden Cup grand final. He was always in his age group playing young and the best player in his team. So it was just always going to be a matter of time when he found his feet in the NRL. and He hit the ground running defensively. He's bar none the best defensive half since he came into the competition way back, what, 2019?
0: Yeah. Who was the journalist recently who rated someone above Dylan Brown as yeah. a defensive half?
2: Uh, it was on the Daily Telegraph. and They had a, a ghostwriter for the axe, Trevor Gilmeister, that said that Nathan Cleary was the best defensive half in the competition. So not entirely sure about that one.
0: No, no. I, I, I think that when you're talking about tackle efficiencies... That Dylan Brown's in a he sits in a class yeah, of his yeah. own. It's a, it's away from if you would do like a, a, a plotted on a graph. Yeah, he, he sits as an outlier. There, there is some data half. out
2: there on the internet in the, the Twitter sphere about do all the NRL stats and they do the old line graph and there's the mediocre halves, you know, the okay halves, the good halves, the great halves, the Dylan Brown just up here. He, he is an absolute outlier defensively. So he's always been a stalwart on that side of the ball. It was just a matter of time until he figured himself out. Pound for pound, he's one of the strongest blokes going around in the NRL. So it's no surprise that he's starting to break tackles, break the line, have guys falling off him with his arms free. And like you said, there's an athletic arrogance to his play as he's starting to realise his own potential. Well,
0: we've been watching Dylan Brown since he was running around in in Harold Matz, And I'm going to put it to you, Forty, that I don't think I've actually ever seen him play with as much confidence as he is right now. Not at any stage. Even when he was dominating junior reps, I always felt that maybe he doubted himself just a little bit. And it's right now, It's as I said, it's almost an arrogance. But you can also see the talking that he's doing out on the field. And if there was a valid criticism for Dylan Brown, it was that, As he first came into the NRL level, he probably wasn't the talker that he should be. Mm -hmm. He probably telegraphed when he was going to be involved. Mm -hmm. So he was maybe a little bit easier to read. Whereas now, he's, he's directing players around him. He's involved in the play, literally... All the time. Even if he's not in the play, he's involved in the play.
2: If Mitchell Moses is otherwise occupied or tackled, he's immediately in there. He realises he's got to take on those kicking responsibilities. And that's another area where he's seeing growth. Is it, was, it was a critical area for him to see growth because if teams keyed in on Mitchell Moses, we see it happening because he is a high-priority target. You need Dylan to be able to have that ability to clear the ball or to get up a good attacking kick. And that's another area of his game that's grown. And it speaks towards the fact that he's getting that belief in himself.
0: Now, there's some pretty good halves combinations in the NRL. You've got Munster and Hughes uh, down in Melbourne. You've got Cleary and Luai at the Panthers. Uh, It's arguable that maybe uh, Brown and Moses are close to the form halves combination in the NRL at the moment. I suppose given that Cleary has been out for the first three weeks. Mm -hmm. You can't dispute the dominance of, of... Penrith at the moment and, and the form of their halves even without Nathan Cleary. But, again, it's hard to overlook Brown and Moses as for the form that they're in.
2: I mean, the three, the three players that handle the ball the most in your team are your dummy half, your halfback, and your five-eighth. And if you have, obviously Reid's a big cog in that too, but if you have Dylan and Mitch killing it, that goes a long way towards not just making the postseason but going deep. So that's going to be the, one of the key indicators for Parramatta – is getting them not, not just firing on a first three- or four-week basis, but keep that momentum running deep into the season.
0: Yeah. Now, we had eight tries scored today. What was your favourite?
2: Oh, <laughs> oh geez, I mean, there's so much to love about the Dylan, oh, Dylan Brown, the Mitchell Moses heads-up play for that second try. Um, that that just really epitomises what separates Mitchell from so many other halfbacks in the competition he can play within and without a structure so fluidly. He'll say, you know, organise your team but then also play heads up football. The second try that Mitchell Moses scored with the Bryce Cartwright flick, which is I mean that that's just a such a rare play to see something like that.
0: That's gonna be on the highlight reels for the season, won't it?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. But the other one the other one I liked too was when we got Will Pinaseni a little bit of early ball and he got you know, he released Bailey Simonson and we got the try from that one for Quinton Gufferson I think it was. So it, it is a little bit of a pin the tail on the donkey here because they're all so good, you can take any one of them blindly and say you've got a good result.
0: I'm probably going to go for the Mitch Moses, uh, his second try off Cartwright's outrageous <laughs> pass. Just simply... Re-
2: regathers, changes hands, I think, and flicks it in one motion. Just insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, apart from that, what's your main take from today's match?
2: I think when the Eels turn it on, there's, what, two or three, maybe four teams that can go with them, and we saw that for 60 minutes today. And it's just a matter of, and you hear this from coaches all the time, not just Brad Arthur, you've got to play the 80 minutes, because if you do, you're going to run away with the game. So, yeah, it was good to see the Eels get stuck in second gear, but then figure it out. I think that's important, because there's going to be games where you're not getting the 50-50s, opposition lifts, you know, just a bad call goes against you, and you get bogged down and you got to be able to pick yourself back up. And we saw that at halftime. It was refocused, fired up, and the Dragons could not go blow for blow.
0: Yeah, I, I was concerned about the momentum flow and I thought it was important that we were able to strike that first blow immediately after halftime. It came in a way that I didn't expect. <laughs> uh, I think there was probably an element of luck about it. Just a little bit. Uh, but after that point, it really was a case of we executed, we finished off those opportunities a lot better than we did in the first half. Yep. And I think there was a lot of confidence that, we, that we're going to take from this. So the way I'm looking at the game today was I think we're going to come out of it with a lot more confidence than, than we had. Even, even, even accounting for Melbourne last week, it was such a tight game. You, you could almost think that there was a lot of emotion that was spent in yeah. that game. A yeah. lot of intensity that was there. And to, to have the type of game that we had today, I think is going to lead to a lot of confidence yeah. about our play and especially our attack.
2: Uh, so often you see teams get up for one of the benchmark teams, whether it's Melbourne, the Roosters, Penrith, get the big result, get, well, in, in not so much for Parramatta, who would be more even pegging, but get that upset win for other teams. And then they have that lull. They come back down to earth, play below their potential the following week. And that's always what makes it a trap game when you come up against a team like the Dragons. But, yeah, like you said, Eels had a good start, slipped up, refocused, and that's very important coaching material for Brad Arthur and the rest of his staff.
0: Okay, time for the 3 two, ones. We'll see how people, whether people agree with us or not. <laughs> good luck. Who have you got for your three points today?
2: Uh, uh, this, this one, I, I, I don't know. Mitchell Moses is very, very tempting Wonga Blake had a cracking game, some big shots defensively, two tries, 200 metres.
0: Uh,
2: I, think, I think I'll have to go, Mitch.
0: I'm going to go for Mitch Moses for my three points as well. We've got anyone else here that would agree with that? Three points, Mitch Moses, man of the match. Okay, you're two. Uh,
2: he came back from a hammy this week, and I was quite impressed with uh, Ryan Madison's play. He was, in that first half, I thought, very influential, good running in uh, post-contact metres. And oh, oh, but he didn't go the full 80. Jeez. You well, I'm,
0: I'm going to go for Ryan Madison for I'll, my two. I'll go as Wonga well. Blake.
2: Oh, you going to go for Wonga I'll for go go the i I'll go Wonga Blake, yeah. And okay. And that leaves the solitary point. I'll let you lead this one in, mate. Where okay,
0: go? I'm going I'm to opt for Nathan Brown for my one point. Well, I Brown thought he was all, all energy, intensity, helped to win the middle today. Uh, great. He's been a great inclusion since he's come back from uh, that long-term injury la- that he sustained last year. Yeah, Nathan Brown for my point.
2: Oh, this is a game where there's half a dozen players that could easily get the one point. I gave one of my two. You could have given him you know, the one in yours. Uh, We've got Dylan Brown, Reed Money, uh, Ice... Uh, on the bench, you know, Bryce Cartwright almost deserves a point for that ridiculous try. I think
0: it's outrageous that we can't find a point for Dylan Brown. Yeah. after his performance today, but that's that's probably a measure of how yeah. well the Eels performed.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll give Ryan Madison my one point, and with those boys just hot on his heels,
0: you have got to take a bow for picking the first try scorer yeah, today.
2: I don't always get it right with the uh, the predictions, but this week, way off on the score. I think I said twenty to four, so the the margin of a uh, margin of our uh, victory way better, which is always nice, but. To get deal right, so I think it was paying $19.
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we did have uh, someone that sits with us that picked Dylan Brown and got on with the $19 in their sports bet today. So <laughs> we won't say her name, but she did very well for herself.
2: That's a little, little bit of pocket money right there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, just before we wrap things up, we are going to very quickly talk about today's... Uh, match in the New South Wales Cup just mm-hmm. just briefly because there's some players we're monitoring for the likelihood that they might play first grade. But we're going to dedicate that to Joe Briffer and you might have seen on the screens today that there was a dedication that the club made to Joe Briffer. Joe passed away this week. Joe was actually a close friend of ours. Uh, we had a tribute to him on the Cumberland Throw website. We spoke about him in our Midweek Preview Podcast. It wasn't the easiest thing that we've spoken about because his passing was unexpected. Uh, Joe was passionate about everything to do with the Eels from uh, junior grades all the way through the flag, Reggies, NRL. He he was just a Parramatta man uh, to the core. So we uh, we dedicate today and our our takes on the match. To Joe Briffer, uh, we miss you, Borgie.
2: And uh, thankfully, the boys put on a show for Joe. He'd be watching up from uh, down above, or up from above, sorry.
0: Okay, he, so the uh, big win in the uh, New South Wales Cup. Who impressed you today?
2: Yeah, well, we got off to a bad start. The Dragons scored the first try in the second minute. Alexander lob after a six again from a Hayes Perrin misjudgment on a, a kick. But uh, forty-four to twelve, it's almost uh, a mirror of the NRL game, really. Uh, but with Dan Kear scoring, he had Mitch Rain, uh, Ellie Elsgaham, Matthew Komalafi grabbed the double, Samuel Lozzi grabbed the double, and Brendan Hands also scoring a nice try late in the game. Yeah, it, it's a case of who didn't impress more than who did impress. This was a very, very good team effort. This is a team that there are high expectations for, but this week they had a lot of ringings. They had a lot of injuries. Guys caught up to NRL. We saw Wira McGregor and Bryce Cartwright obviously featuring in that game. Uh, they, they were challenged by the Dragons, who were admittedly winless in this game, but knowing that, coming into this game, watching them in the first half, he wouldn't have fought it. They put up a good fight, and I think that the middles really set the tone for Parramatta here. Officer Ogden, young Peter Tateo getting his first start in the front row. I thought he was outstanding. Uh, those two really set the tone in the rock.
0: Yeah, if we're talking about the New South Wales Cup as a team and, and how we think they'll go in the season, I think we're starting to see potentially what they'll be able to achieve as far as their own premiership campaign's concerned. But as far as the players are concerned, and I'm always interested in who's going to be able to do a job if they're called up on uh, for filling in in the NRL or, or perhaps even next year when a number of players leave our club and there's opportunities in the top grade for 2023. So today I was very impressed with of Hickey Ogden, mm-hmm. I thought he was – his form, um, Rodwell's form and Peter Tateo, they did a tremendous job winning the middle. And I think when it comes to laying the platform in first grade, you're looking for players who are going to be able to come up and do that job in the middle. So um, very confident about them. Dan Keir's been a surprise in the back row. I didn't really know too much about him. He was with the Raiders. Came came
2: our way via Canberra. And he was a late, or I don't know how late it was in the process, but we saw him very late, uh, sort of just before round one, become a feature for the team. He's been very reliable on the left edge, I want to say, for uh, the Eels in the reserve grade.
0: Yeah, so, uh, and of course, Ellie Olsakim. Yeah, good Um, to see
2: him back from a hamstring complaint. He was out for the first few rounds. Big body, nice offload, runs a good line. All that was on display today. And uh, Zach Sini
0: never fails to get the attention. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a, a personality player with that mullet. So he's uh, he's the Maltese mullet. He's got, got, a bit of, got
2: a bit of twinkle toes around him. He has. He thing. doesn't like to be tackled. Very light in his feet before contact. Puts uh, Gets into the T2 zone instead of the shoulders. He's getting towards the arms. So there's a lot of tackle breaks. Um, yeah, he's, he was in the centre stage instead of the wing. Thought he did a very good job. And I uh, imagine when the numbers come out tomorrow or Tuesday, we'll find that he was well over 150 metres.
0: So with the, the Eels' casualty ward, we've had Sean Lane added to that. We've got Ray Stone out for the season. Uh, we've just had uh, – we've got Murata, He's going to be another two, couple of weeks mm-hmm. before he's back. So, it, I mean, it is possible that uh, maybe there might be a player in the, in the pack – From the New South Wales Cup team that's required for first grade duty.
2: We're not far off. They're
0: they're probably not far off. I don't think they can use Ogden till uh, round
2: 12. Yeah, round 12 or 13 or June 30, whatever the deadline is.
1: Yeah,
0: so, uh, look, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Rodwell gets a a shot. Yeah, Rodwell top 30 this year. Yeah, he debuted last year. uh, Broke his thumb in the first tackle that he played in that game against Penrith. In the final round last year.
2: Went on to make 100 metres and 30-something tackles. Yeah,
0: unbelievable performance in in the circumstances. so So, uh, toughest
2: teak and that sort of stuff doesn't go unnoticed by coaches.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, look, uh, great day today. Uh, It followed yesterday where Parramatta won every one of the junior representative matches up at Kellyville. Uh, the only letdown really was a two point loss from the uh, Jersey Flag team going down 18 16 to St George. So it's been a huge weekend. Uh, for people who'd like to catch up on everything that's happened over the weekend with some of the uh, original content on the Cumberland throw, you'll be able to get onto uh, www.thecumberlandthrow.com. You'll catch all of our live blogs that we recorded yesterday for the junior reps for the jersey flag, and of course, the, tonight, there'll be the uh, post-game grades yep. that will be up and ready for people to add their opinion about how they rated each of
2: the players. And we've got a busy schedule. We've got finals for the Tasha Gale, for the Harold Matthews, jersey flag looking good even despite that close loss, Cup obviously killing it, NRL looking real good. There's a lot of big-time football to be played for the Parramatta Eagles, and we'll be covering all of it in the coming weeks, Matt.
0: Yes, and... Uh, Two weeks' time. We're back here again. It's the uh, Round 6 Easter Monday. Easter Monday clash against the Tigers. How do you reckon we'll go against the Tigers? Put them for the pointers. Well, we don't want to take anything for granted, of course. But we'll be back here after the game, as usual. And uh, for as far as today's concerned, mate, thank you for today.
2: Yeah, thanks for giving us a listen. It's much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed a couple of... Uh, Enthusiastic fans, I suppose, blabbering on. And I hope you enjoyed Neville Glover. Fantastic guest to have on the show.
0: Thanks to everyone coming along tonight. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you.